0: I could keep my hands on myself and way you want it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very warm welcome to Capital Sports on this snowy and quite lovely Moscow evening. My name is Alan Moore and you are listening to Made Europe's number one English language radio sports show. That is, of course, Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Now, folks, for the next two hours, settle in, put your feet up, stay warm if you're in a festive spirit, which many of our people seem to be at the moment. I'm not really there yet or quite yet. Um, Get a nice hot cup of tea, get some praniki or some cookies or whatever you want to do. Sit back, relax and enjoy the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Now, in just a minute, we're going to go to Aaron Drew Flint. We're going to talk about Russian football, specifically just how much longer Stan Cherchezov will be Russia's head coach, because, of course, he had some not such good times in the last little while especially the result in uh, Serbia and we're going to have a look of course at the Russian Premier League and the Moscow Clubs in European action this week in part two Andy Mack is back and he's going to join to chat about the English Premier League and he's going to have a look at the return of the champion and Euro- Champions and Europa League of course huge game going on right now Leeds 0-0 with Arsenal 76 minutes gone that and of course uh, kicking off a little bit later in our show it is Liverpool and Leicester that is a top of the table clash very much so that is starting at a quarter past ten here in Moscow. Uh, not in Moscow, it's in Liverpool, of course. Um, right, uh, in part three, our legal legal Isil Cody. She's going to lead off with the very best in women's sports from the past week. And then Andrew Flint, he's going to return to talk NFL. The Spice Boys are away at the moment, but they'll be back next week to speak about the NBA draft and, of course, look across at American sports. A lot of news coming out of there at the moment. In the fourth, we have, well... We're going to have a special guest joining us and of course our usual crew to talk about just how far motivational speeches and videos can go in pumping up teams. Very, very spicy this past week, especially in the, well, let's say the historical historically interesting Ireland-England relationship. In part five, Jonathan Higgins of Virgin Media, he is going to join us to talk about the GAA commemoration for Bloody Sunday yesterday in Dublin. He was there covering it in Crow Park. Um... Of course, it was a centenary of Bloody Sunday. We'll explain that a bit later on. And then we're going to have uh, Getty Games Europe's new chairperson, John Murphy. He's going to be on the line from Amsterdam to give us a quick view from Europe and what is happening there. Because, of course, a lot of clubs, the same here in Moscow, a lot of clubs have shut down because of COVID, because of COVID dangers. But at least here in Moscow, we, we are hoping to get back in the field in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and then, of course, in the sixth, we will have the big, fat, filthy quiz with the usual roundup of... I, I want to say basket of deplorables, but I don't want to sound like Hillary Clinton. So I'll just say uh, our untouchables, <laughs> yet yeah, they cannot be touched. Right. Uh, OK, Russian Premier League roundup really, really quickly. Uh, the... Main games, of course, Zenit drew 2-2 away in Grozny with Akmat. That was, that was a bit of a disappointment for Zenit because if they'd won that, they would have now be sitting pretty at the top of the table. They didn't and, well, that's the way the cookie has crumbled for them. Um, and Spartak won one with Dinamo yesterday as well. That was a bit of a disappointment for both sides because they both could have taken a step closer to the top spot. Syska drew 1-1 earlier on. Uh, today with Sochi that was again a letdown because they could have stretched their legs at the top of the table Uh, Loco won 1-0 yesterday against Arsenal 2 they seem to be getting these results you know kind of grinding them out a goal at a time and doing quite well Uh, the game between Rubin and Rostov uh, a little bit earlier on has ended with a victory for Rostov the visitors 2-1 win in an. And, of course, earlier on today, a scoreless draw in Volgograd between Rutter and Ural, And speaking of Ural and Yekaterinburg, are going to go straight out to two men, to the voice of Yekaterinburg and, of course, two men, Andrew Flint. Andrew, um, OK, I know it's snowing out there with you the whole lot, but um, how much warmth did that battling draw give you down in the south? Andrew Flint? Andrew Flint, can you hear us? Andrew Flint we have Andrew are you there no no we have lost him. we're going to get him back in just a moment so it seems to have a bit of a problem on the line it could be the cold out in Siberia okay we're going to get back to Andrew in just one moment Uh, again as I mentioned that we're going to continue to follow that game Uh, it yeah it was uh, earlier on today of course it was 3-2 to Everton uh, over Fulham and West Ham on the way 1-0 to uh, Sheffield, or sorry, Sheffield United. Now again, it's 78, 80 minutes gone, Leeds nil, Arsenal nil, and Liverpool, of course, kicking off, as I said already, at uh, a quarter past ten. And we're going to try and get uh Andrew Flint back on the line in just one moment. So, uh, we'll call him as we are, uh, as I'm covering the rest of this uh, roundup of Russian football the Premier League. Uh, okay, so, here we go. Oh, Andrew, you're back on the line with us. Certainly. <laughs> am Okay, that is good. I don't know what happened to her last time. We just, I guess you could hear us, we couldn't hear you at all. Listen, Andrew, um, straight away I want to ask immediately, how much of a mess did Syscar make of that game today with Sochi? It
2: was it was a disastrous result for them, really. Um, because, I mean, Sochi have been doing well this season, haven't they? Um, but honestly, punching well above their weight. Um, Tesco on one of the best runs of form they've had, well, almost there, but you could say they won eight of the last nine. Um, and they had to rely on VAR to rule out a goal, which was actually the correct decision, but only just, only just. Um, and they just they, they just couldn't put two two passes together, really. Adolfo Geic, who yet again was disappointing up front. Um, when he came in, we all thought he would he would revolutionise their strike force because finally there'd be competition. But he's looked disappointing once again, so it's definitely two points dropped for them.
1: OK, uh, Zenit, of course, they also dropped two points with that uh, with that draw in Grozny. But, I mean, it, it wasn't all one-sided. Ahmad looked very, very good at, point, uh, at times.
2: Oh, absolutely! Um, Bernard Berisha is just on absolutely inspired form at the moment. Um, that's, I think, it's his sixth goal of the season, and and uh, Zenit. They've always struggled down in Grozny, and um, I think this is now the sixth game in a row in the Russian Premier League they've played away in Grozny and failed to win, which is by far their longest winless run against any side in the league. Um, uh, Daniel, because I've really, really good finish to give them the lead Um, but Zinni again had problems they're they're messing around with Douglas Santos as a central midfielder and when they're in possession dominating the game it works but I think it leaves them a little bit exposed with Yuri Zhiyakov in the fullback position instead so it was again it was a a tricky game to play and um, they had to fight just for the point
1: Okay, again, uh, Lokomotiv looking at them. Uh, there seems to be some sort of problem there because, again, as we mentioned, uh, with, with discipline because Vedran Chiruluka was sent off. They still man- managed to win with a penalty from Anton Moranchuk, who seems to really have stepped out of his brother's shadow. And uh, one yeah. of the best players, of course, was Ignatiev, was absolutely uh, Well, I, I found he was very, very good yesterday. Um, Lokomotiv just seemed to be doing enough to get it done. It's almost a form that led him to the title back in 2018.
2: Yeah, you know, I was just just about to say that is really reminiscent of under um, Yuri Palich, and I think I think to be fair, that's all they need to do at the moment because a lot of sides at the top, like we just discussed, are dropping points left, right, centre. So all they need to do is just simply conserve their energy, make sure Anton Milanchuk keeps being the main man. I think it's really important that he steps up into that role, and so far he's doing that. Um, and I also, I think it was good that they, they had Say Louis and Edair playing up front together because I think they're the most effective partnership together. Um, your favorite flat track bully unfortunately clashes to the Z too much. So just a 1-0, one nil win, um, with 10 men. Not a bad result. Um, it wasn't a great performance, but who cares? They got three points that
1: is true I mean but then again looking at it okay I know I know Smallov there's talk of him being sold uh, not loaned out but sold uh, this uh, winter transfer window but looking back at the last couple of years a team winning the title um, has never lost more than six games and Loco have already lost five this year with two draws surely they're not going to win but they they might be with a shout maybe for third place or second place even
2: well <sighs> you can never rule them out Uh, and I think Marco Nikolic has proven that he's (laughs) not not actually an entirely different mindset uh, to Juri Sjoman in that he's conservative I mean you look at the the, the goals scored 16 goals in 15 games for a side that is playing in the Champions League is pretty disappointing Um, they're not going to get anywhere near challenging for the title I don't think I mean Tiscazini Spartak are comfortably ahead of them Dinamo probably will be around that area but they are about the next best side, so four for fifth is where I think they'll finish.
1: Okay. Um, after being, you know, kind of lauded uh, by, by one Spanish newspaper as one of the best coaches, uh, young coaches in Europe, um, <sighs> Mr. Tedesco couldn't seem to get his team over the line. They, had, they, they relied on, on, a, on a late equaliser from Zobnin to cancel out Dinamo's mm-hmm. lead. Um, it was not an impressive performance overall from Spartak, though, was it?
2: It wasn't really, it was a, I'd probably say it was a slightly nervous performance, which is unusual, really, because they had, effectively, the, the first choice side out. Um, Kokorin up front was an interesting choice, I think. Um, but Larson and Ponce, again, they've been playing brilliantly together all season. And I think, actually, Larson, Jordan Larson, was probably, for me, the key player in the fact that he didn't particularly show up. He he wasn't quite as... Um, as the as much of a focal point of the attack as he should be. Sobny's goal was brilliantly taken—a bit of luck, but he made it with that dribble through the defence. But Dinamo, I can't make my mind up about them. Still, they are still pulling these results out, but wasn't impressive from Spartak.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, it is fair, fair enough. I mean, it was it was it was an odd one to try and call for Dynamo, because again, they're they're getting results, but they're not. I don't know. They're not they seem to be annoying teams were nothing else I mean they had a great win against Lokomotiv yeah. and of course that's a that is a good solid draw uh, right now it's this of course they are top on 32 points Zenit second with 31 Spartak two points further back in third and just two points behind them are Dinamo Loco down in eighth on 24 points so there is nothing separate in eight points between first and eighth and Hibiki uh, played play tomorrow they are in 14th on 12 points um, Andrew very quick what are, before we speak about uh, Mr. Cherchesov let's have a look ahead to next week in the league um, Dinamo are away um, in Rostov on Saturday 7 o'clock kickoff. off um, Rostov don't score too many goals but they don't let in too many goals I, I, I don't see Dinamo winning that game at all I, maybe a draw but I don't see a win
2: mm, yeah I, I'd say that's a fair shout um, Rostov again like like you mentioned tonight they, they did very well out in Kazan Rubin a weak inside but 2-0 still a good result away from home uh, another clean sheet um, I'd say Dinam would be, do very well to to get anything out of the game. Um, not to be pessimistic, but Rostov very, very, uh, very good at home. So a point, I think, would be a good good result, probably for both sides. If we're being honest.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. Now Lokomotiv now they have to go down to uh, Akhmat on Saturday, also seven o'clock kickoff. Um, I'd almost think that they're going to go away and get a win. Like they they, they have the mentality. If they have all their players or everyone's fit, they, they keep the same lineup going. That they they might eke out a one 0 win.
2: Ah, it would be a fantastic result. It really would. Aquats are on the best form they've been in for, for quite some time. But I do also... I, I can understand what you're getting at there because Aquats' side, they do tend to rely quite heavily on the direct blunt pace of Berisha. Um, often it's just good enough and it does what they need. But locomotive, if anybody can shut the side down, then it is locomotive, and they will have to be conservative with their midweek exertions coming up. So... Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they win, but I, it wouldn't be—they'll be the team to do it if anybody.
1: Okay, um, last two Siska out in Kazan. Kazan, you know, missing players—they're uh, going to be a little bit of trouble. Siska mm. they, they'll want to really get three points out of that, won't they?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, and I think they probably will do. Rubin worked desperately on the so to, tonight, and um, missing creature really, uh, Karadzic is, is a big miss for anybody just in the form of, uh, well, anybody's life, really, at the moment. Um, but they had to play Dimitri Tarasov at centre-back, and he, he, he was OK, but it's not his natural position. I think Tisqa can take advantage, and I'd be surprised if they don't come away with a win there.
1: OK, that, of course, is on Sunday at 4.30. And then, just before we go on here next week, Spartak at home to Rotter. Um, n- no matter what, I mean, Spartak are still at least a couple of goals better than Rotter, aren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Rotto can't really score for level of money at the moment. Um, only seven goals all season. It's a bit. It's a bit harsh to say that because they they are not as bad as those numbers suggest. But Spartak have. They'll be angry at not winning in what, the last three games. Um, they really, really cannot afford to do anything other than a comprehensive win there. I I'll be amazed if it's anything other than a two or three goal win for Spartak.
1: Yeah, I I think you're on the right line with that, all right, uh, Andrew. Okay, look, before uh, we go away, the the main question, of course, a lot of people have been asking this week, um, after the absolute thrashing that Russia suffered in Belgrade, an absolute embarrassment, um, Cherchesov, you've got, let's give you 90 seconds to uh, have a bit of a, let's hear your side about why he should go or why he should stay.
2: Well, with Chachas up in charge, Russia are going nowhere, and it feels ungrateful given all that he has done, and he has done a lot. And people have to remember the mess that Russia were in um, after Euro 2016, um, and he came in. He didn't do all the right changes, in my opinion, but he stuck to his guns, and the World Cup was a really morale-boosting occasion for the national team. Um, But he's just struggled to move with the times, and anybody who doesn't move on and doesn't adapt and doesn't develop the side, especially, and this is the worst part, when the under-21 side is probably the strongest it's ever been, the players that are getting regular game time and starring for their first teams, um, his reluctance to move on players who are, uh, in, in some cases, even unattached, not even employed by a club, is baffling beyond belief. With the amount of opportunities he's had over the last two or three international breaks, basically with free hits and not taking them to experiment just a little bit, give a bit more game time, it just shows that one of the best young generations Russian football has had in a long time, they're going to be disheartened by this. And I think it, a new man does need to come in. And now, now that the Nations League is over, get a new man in. You can trust the youth because it needs to be trusted. Otherwise, Russia will be in trouble all over again.
1: Okay. on that note, we're going to say thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew, back, of course, in the third segment to have a chat with us and myself and Isult about the NFL. Folks, we're going to to break right now with One Republic and Love Runs Out, but you don't run away. Stay with us, folks. Back after the break with Andy Mack. Capital
0: Sports with Alan Moore.
2: Капитал FM пять лет.
0: В честь праздника мы запустили акцию Day 5. Day 5. Give me five. Хочешь получить беспроводные наушники, планшет, умные часы или даже крутой смартфон? Нет, уже 12. Все просто. Подпишись на Instagram Capital FM, лайкни пост с анонсом главного приза недели и отметь под ним пятерых друзей. Поздравляем, ты стал участником розыгрыша. Далее лови подсказки в эфире и получи шанс выиграть один из главных призов. Не получилось? Не расстраивайся. Есть еще куча поощрительных каждый день. Подробности акции на сайте capitalfm.moscow и в наших соцсетях не является публичной офердой. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. M. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore.
1: Welcome back, folks, to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM for part two of our star-studded show this evening. Uh, One little bit of news from the rugby front. France have just beaten Scotland 22-15. Scotland scored five penalties through Mr. Weir, and, of course, uh, France had one try but it was enough to get them over the line. So good showing from Scotland overall. Uh, we're going to speak with that a little bit later, probably with uh, Eastfield and Andrew Flint. I'm not going to ask Andy Mack because he might be a little bit sad. Uh, OK, that game is in injury time between Leeds and Arsenal. It is still scoreless, uh, so not 1-0 to the Arsenal this time. And again, of course, as I mentioned, starting in just under one hour, the showdown of the weekend, Liverpool and Leicester, which, of course, our man Andy Mack said that it might be a win for Leicester. Am I quoting you correctly, Andy Mack?
3: I believe I said a draw, but um, yeah, I I, I fancy Leicester more than Liverpool today, that's for sure. Okay, so uh, Leicester, the football team.
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Listen, um, before we go any further, uh, England did uh, a number on Ireland rugby yesterday. Uh, We've seen these headlines that, that England are relentless and ruthless like the All Blacks. You reckon that their defence is going to be enough to win them the the, the World Cup next summer?
3: Well, New Zealand have um, have hit a, a more of a purple than a black patch. Um, sorry, the, the the other way around. Um, of late. <laughs> you never know. Um, you never know. Um, I think the Six Nations, in in terms of the countries involved, I think there's so little between them at times that in a World Cup. I, I, I don't think there is any certainty. You can have one bad game, one suspension, one one moment in a game that throws everything um, out of the out of the context of all your preparation and build up. So, I, I don't think anyone can really say with any great confidence, apart from maybe a New Zealand in their in if if they're in hot form that they're going to win anything. So, rugby is a is a funny sport in that regard. Yeah, that is fair enough. Even,
1: uh, okay, sorry, um, okay, so. Um... Straight on to the English Premier League, uh, of course. A much-needed win for Everton today. 3-2 away to Fulham. Fulham came out in that second half like absolute animals and hounded Everton. It looked, it, they, they looked like the worst team ever in Premier League history. And then they came out and played a great second half. Um, but yesterday, uh, Mr. Ped, or I should say Pep Guardiola, he is in a bit of trouble after his team, Man City, went down 2-0 away to Spurs. This is... Um, it, it, it more looked like Man City bet themselves than Spurs won that match.
3: I'm not so sure. I don't, I'm, I'm, I was really, really impressed with the way that Tottenham set out their strategy for the game, um, the way that they had the attackers Kane and Son coming back in almost into defensive midfield roles at some points, um, and I think Mourinho set his stall out, knowing that Man City would probably have to come out and prove an awful lot. Um, he set set out for a smash and grab, and the early goal that Man, uh, that Tottenham got was the absolutely ideal start for them, and it meant that they could just let Man City come onto them and onto them. Um, obviously, City peppered for a while and had the goal disallowed, which I think was the correct decision. But overall, I I, I thought Tot- Tottenham were um, very very worthy winners.
1: OK, Man United, uh they had a bit of fortune this week. They won 1-0 against West Brom, but they were very, very lucky, especially on the penalty front.
3: Yeah, um, it was a dire game, to be honest. Uh, the penalty itself, I mean, the first one that Bruno Fernandes... I, I, I hate watching players step up with this little tippy-tappy run-up and then a jump before it. Jorginho does it for Chelsea, Fernandes does it sometimes... And, and, I, I can't understand how that benefits the person taking the penalty. If anything, it, it kind of gives the goalkeeper a few seconds to to register okay, he's shaping that way or he's going that way. Um so he missed the first one but the um ex Manchester United keeper, isn't it? Um Johnston. Yeah. Sam Johnston. He came so far off his line. It it was um, it, it was <laughs> it's like it wasn't close. I know. <laughs> It was like nobody had ever told him the rules. And quite often in, in games now, you do see referees coming up and saying, please make sure you stay on your line. But, I, I mean, he, he was almost at Bruno Fernandez's feet by the time he jumped forward. So, um, Well, isn't right if, if Fernandes is
1: going to act the, let's just say, cockwumble, and he's going to do that little shuffle and the shimmy and a little hop, surely the keeper should be able to run out and give him a belt or something.
3: Well, I, I, I agree. It makes me want to run out and belt the person <laughs> taking it. All the rules so yeah, it was rightly retaken, um, and, a, and a much better effort the second time round. Uh, <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, it looks like Ollie, uh, he has steadied the bus or he's still in charge of the bus at the moment. Um, Spurs top of the table on 20 points. Chelsea with their win earlier yesterday, uh, they are in second place on 18. Leicester and Liverpool. I mean, that, that is a good one this evening because Leicester sitting in fourth, Liverpool in, uh, sorry, Leicester in third, Liverpool in fourth. But I mean, looking, looking at the two of them, I like the Leicester defence. They have a, a really solid kind of, I don't know, they have a, a, a decent team. Um, but Liverpool, I, I think, with, what about all the amount of injuries, this absolute collapse that they've had with muscle strains and tiredness and COVID? This, if they're going to be beaten at home, this is the time Leicester need to do it, isn't
3: it? Yeah, definitely. Um, Leicester have... The joint best defensive record in the league so far, which I mean, it isn't saying a lot because so, so there's there's been so so many weird games where teams have put five six or um, so. Perhaps we shouldn't be reading too too much into into that because sort of one off games can throw your goal difference or make your defence look terrible all of a sudden. But Liverpool, I mean, you read the the players that will not play, uh, and you've got. Arnold, uh, Alexander, Arnold, Joe Gomez, Henderson, Chamberlain, Salah, Van Dijk. I mean, all players that you would maybe think would start. Their front three is still a threat and and a real worry. But behind that, I think um, the likes of Tilman's, who's been in, in fine form, um, Madison Vardy, Barnes. I mean, Jamie Bardi's still doing it at the ripe old age of Christ knows what he is now, thirty-three, <laughs> um, and he scored four four goals in there in. In the last four games, uh, he didn't feature in their 4-0 win against Braga in the Europa League. So that he's he's scored in every game uh, for the last four since, I think, the game back uh, in early October, um, where Leicester lost 3-0 to West Ham. And the game before that, he scored a hat-trick against Manchester City. So a serious threat up front. And I think Fabinho and Matip at centre-back um, are, are, are are bomb scares. And Milner at right-back as well, with Jones in front of him. Young players... Uh, and it's, it's a huge game today. And I, I really, really do fancy Leicester will score goals. Whether they win is, is another one, because obviously you've still got Yotta, Firmino and Manet up front for Liverpool, who will cause anyone trouble. That is but true. A, a real opportunity for Brendan Rodgers. And I think in the run up to Christmas, I think out of the top sort of four or five clubs, I think Leicester actually have the best fixture list, um, up until about, um, boxing, so, sort of the, the fixture just before Christmas and boxing day. Um, home to Fulham away to Sheffield United home to Brighton and home to Everton I think that's the best run of fixtures and the way that Rodgers is rotating at the moment for the Europa League a win today and I think they could seriously kick on
1: yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean, you look at them, they're the, one, the only two teams that hasn't had a draw so far this year, six wins, two losses. The only other team that hasn't had a draw this year as well, of course, is Aston and Villa, who are sitting back in seventh place. Um, Spurs, Spurs, of course, have only conceded nine goals as well. Do you know which other team have only conceded nine goals as well in the league, Andy?
3: Uh, Wolves, but they've a- actually scored Fewer than
1: nine. Exactly. They've only scored eight. That is mad. Listen, um, let's look ahead to next week's fixtures in the Premier League because I want to uh, have a bit of a chat with you about the Champions League fixtures coming up. Um, So looking ahead, uh, okay, Monday, of course, there's games tomorrow. Wolves playing uh, Southampton at 11 o'clock Moscow time and Burnley against uh, Crystal Palace at 8.30 our time here. Uh, But looking ahead to next Saturday, um, Man City at home to Burnley. I mean, that's that's going to be a tough one, City. If th- th- there are rumours that Guardiola could be out the door right now, again, Pochettino being bandied around the place as well. Do you think City would be happy to get rid of him?
3: Uh, well, it's that age-old thing of uh, all of a sudden you get given a new contract, and it's this horrible omen that you're about to be kicked out the door. Um, so let's hope his lawyers have have gone through the fine print about him being sacked in case <laughs> he doesn't get the. Um, City have a have an excellent record against Burnley, and Burnley have been, um, I think, a one of only two, uh, the one of only three teams this year without a win. Uh, the concern there, I think, for Man City is the fact that they've got a, a tricky trip to Olympiakos midweek. Uh, Olympiakos have won their last nine home games. Um, I think their last defeat uh, of note would have been Arsenal um, in the. I think it was in the qualifiers. Um, So, travelling, potential possibilities of COVID-y whatever you've got coming up. I mean, it's so unsettling for teams having to do this midweek travelling at the moment. Because of that, going to bubbles and etc. But I think Man City will be too good. And I think the fact that they have given Guardiola a new contract this week is some sort of indication that they are going to back him. Um, And of course, they are just... I mean, if you look at the, the, the table, so weird this season that yes Man City are in 13th but they're only four points off fit. um and with a game in hand on the likes of Everton who, who they're only four points behind as well so two or three wins in, in, in a row and I think the key thing will be coming up to Christmas where they then have a two month break um, from Europe from all, all the European stuff that was going to be the key period, I think, for a lot of these clubs. But yeah. if Man City keep down there, he might not be having a very merry Christmas.
1: Oh, that is true. Uh, of course, that game kicks off at 6 o'clock on Saturday, Moscow time. Uh, Brighton are hosting Liverpool at 3.30 earlier on on Saturday. But the one I want to look at, of course, is on Sunday, Chelsea at home to Spurs at 7.30 Moscow time. What do you reckon, Andy? I mean, could Are we looking for a draw for that one?
3: Really tough one. Obviously, uh, Mourinho with a with a real point to prove there against his his old team. Um, Spurs going to Stamford Bridge. I mean, it's they they have only won once in the last 16, 15 years, um, and I can't see it. I, I think Chelsea against Newcastle at the weekend looked despite you know having a few injuries and perhaps not really getting into full gear at times, when it clicked, the likes of Ziyech and Werner, who have come into that team and really made a difference almost immediately, when going forward, they look very, very dangerous. And I don't think the way that, let's say, City would set up or Chelsea would set up at the moment, I think Chelsea are kind of very similar to Tottenham. And I think that would actually give Tottenham more problems at the fact that then Chelsea might not come on even at home because there isn't really a home advantage at the moment, so I'd be going with a home win, and I think it's very good value that Chelsea are over even money.
1: Okay, that is very good. Okay, Andy, before we let you go, I want to ask you about the uh, two of the Russian clubs in action this week. Loco away on Wednesday, eleven o'clock Moscow uh, time, kicking off against Atletico Madrid. Um, they 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 did a number on Atletico at home, but you, you'd fancy Atletico after their their massive win this weekend. Uh, that they're going to be able to take local apart.
3: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a huge confidence boost. Yes, Barcelona have been have been shoddy so far this season, and are now going through a real injury crisis as well. As, aside from Messi and his troubles, and um, but the last time Atletico Madrid lost at home was uh, last year against Barcelona um, back in December, so almost a year since they've lost at home, I can't see, unfortunately. Loco have looked so stop-start. They've really upped their game in Europe. Um, I've been very, very impressed with some of their performances in Europe, but I think this might be a little bit, a step too far.
1: Okay, that is fair enough. Uh, Siska, uh, at home against Feyenoord on Thursday. That is 8.55 kickoff time here in Moscow. Um, you, do you fancy Cisco to do that one? Because they, you know, they they're, they've been a decent run of form. Didn't do great today, but you'd hope that they would actually be just a little bit better than Feynord.
3: Yeah, as Andrew Flint mentioned earlier, Sarsgaard are in the the form of their life, so to speak. Um, I will rem- remember it well that you told me it was either twenty two or twenty three that they were formed last week after <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was so, a tricky um, one. It was a
3: tricky I, one, Andy. I'm sorry. It was a trick on my part. I, it was, I, I got tricked in by the name Rodina, <laughs> home Homeland, motherland, got to be old. Um, so yes, yeah, I, I mean the fact that having watched Nerd get ripped apart by Wolfsberger, and I thought Szerszka should have beaten Wolfsberger away. Based on that, at home and with Szerszka in a bit of form, I think they are rightfully favourites going into that game and I think um, if the weather keeps up here Fayenhead will not fancy it
1: <laughs> OK that is good news Andy Mack thank you very very much Andy we'll be back of course uh, at the top of the uh, at the top of the fourth we're going to after the break right now with Owl City and Fireflies back with Isil Cody and Andrew Flint after a break
0: Capital Sports with Alan Moore you would not believe Stay awake when I'm asleep Cause everything is never as it seems Cause I get a thousand hugs From ten thousand lightning bugs As they try to teach me how to dance A fox trot above my head A sock hop beneath my bed A disco ball is just hanging by a thread Bursting at the sea. The one only English speaking station in Moscow. Oh, capital. FM. Capital. capital Sports with Alan
1: Moore. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. We're going to go to ESOLT and. Well, I'll start off with ESOLT in just one moment. Uh, again, those updates from today's games. The game between Arsenal and. Well she mentioned Arsenal it ended nil nil in Leeds at Ellen Road. And of course Liverpool, they are gonna kick off in now. It's just over half an hour until they kick off against Leicester. Remember Andy Mack said that this is a great chance for Leicester to get one over on Liverpool because because Liverpool have a major injury crisis, a bit of a loss of form as well, and Leicester, well, they're doing quite well at the moment. They have more uh, good players than Liverpool have to feel at the moment, well, that's what Andy reckons. So he says at least a draw and possibly a chance to knock them off. Remember, there was uh, a man sent off for Arsenal, so uh, Pepe was sent off for a head. But We'll talk about that a little bit later on. OK, we're going to go straight away to Iselt Cody. Iselt, you can hear me loud and clear?
4: I certainly can. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Listen, first of all, I am going to congratulate you for Tipperary's win today. Uh, it was a tough L weekend for you because you had the Hurlers using, losing yesterday, but the footballers creating history and winning today. Um, how good is that for Tipperary football?
4: Um, I think it is absolutely massive for Tipperary football. We have, in the last few years, we made it to an All-Ireland semi-final previously, but that was through losing the Munster final, and this is our first final victory since 1935. So, you know, it's been a while coming and there are currently, I've just taken a look online, there are a lot of bonfires lit to uh, welcome them back across the border from (laughs) welcoming them with like a trail of light coming home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's let's get, we'll we'll start straight away. Um, So you have the next, well, let's just say, I'll give you uh, six minutes for the very best women's new sports stories this past
3: week
4: Okay, so I'm going to start with one that I just love because it involves two sisters Um, obviously Valentina the Bullish Shevchenko, who wouldn't want their daughter to go by that nickname um, won last night in UFC what makes her achievement last night so wonderful, obviously it was um, a fifth round decision against Jennifer Maya, one of her toughest fights to date, but what really is impressive about it is the fact that This is her first fight back after recovering from MCL surgery. And when she fought last night, it was quite obvious that she had a tougher fight in her hands than expected. But her work while on her feet was incredible. And to boot, her sister, who fights at the flyweight category, Antonia, was also on the card and also won. So who doesn't love the fact that you've got two sisters in a sport where both are excelling? Those stories I always enjoy. The next one... To touch briefly on what we have coming up during the course of the week in terms of the women's international break. So you'll see that women's football is back in the limelight on an international front. This week, Russia take on Kosovo in their group. Um, Kosovo are two behind Russia on the table, and I wouldn't expect them to qualify. But the other game in the group is Estonia and Turkey. There are very few of the more competitive games this week. So the results are kind of a bit preordained. But what's interesting about the women's tournament is it's obviously fast approaching. And thus far, only five teams are qualified. So they'd be Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Germany and the Netherlands, who are obviously the holders. So they automatically qualify. And the third item I'd like to talk about is women's rugby. Women's rugby is possibly the sport The global sporting event that's an entire tournament which most focuses on trying to engage with young people um, of either gender, but in particular young women. I was very lucky to get to go to a good few of the games when it was in Ireland um, on its last um, World Cup year. And basically what they have done is they try to make the tickets affordable. They try to get younger fans to come in and it becomes very much a family engagement event to try and spread the sport so their draw took place this week for the new zealand world cup which takes place next year so hopefully assuming that major sporting tournaments can go as to schedule that will take place next year but what's interesting in this one is for the european qualification process there still is a long way to go so in march of this year russia should have been playing spain uh, with the winner to then go into a competition with Ireland, Scotland and Italy to play off for the last position as a European team. There also then is a subsequent tournament where basically the lo- losing teams within that qualification process can go again. But in essence Russia still haven't played their game from March and they haven't set a date yet for that European tournament qualification to go out. So it could be with the way the Six Nations um, will be scheduled, that these games are going to take place actually relatively quickly ahead of the tournament. And obviously that's going to have a negative impact on the teams that are trying to go through, but it is great to see the development of other nations, nations we don't necessarily hear about as much in the men's that will be participating at the World Cup. So, Colombia and Kenya have a playoff from one position. We have obviously the USA are one of the top ranked teams, England, France, all the usual teams at that extent. But Ireland, Scotland, Italy, Russia and Spain, where none of the teams are professional, will be sending through at least one and possibly two competitors. So it's been an interesting week for women's sport. And I think that competition is possibly the best for highlighting any women's sporting tournament globally. So hopefully we'll get to see some interesting teams joining that
1: yeah again it, it does worry me sometimes when you see in rugby when you've got amateur teams uh who don't have the support systems that say australia New Zealand or England would have then going up against you know it, it just it's, it it does worry me it, it does worry me but again uh you know ho- hopefully that uh well russia goes through it'll give a, a good account against russia women's rugby in russia is growing it's actually growing very very fast it's going really spreading seven.
4: I like I see them more in sevens and the thing is you become the big thing with newer teams in rugby the more you see them the more you recognize them and it becomes second nature to expect to see them in certain tournaments yeah. and that's what we want to see happen across the board and I think where where teams start to do well in the women's it only pushes more for the men to accelerate their progress so hopefully yeah. that will be
1: that's true. I mean, Ro- Russia have been to World Cups before, uh, in men's, uh, so it's, you know, they're not, they're not strangers to it. Just, uh, yes. got a message on 951111, uh, yeah, 951111053, uh, a question. Where is that game between Russia and Kosovo? It is a home game for Russia, but it has been played in Turkey. Okay. So that is, uh, at 10 o'clock, uh, yeah, it is 10 o'clock kickoff, uh, Moscow time, um, on Friday. Uh, okay. Um, before I know Issa's staying on because she is very much an NFL fan and uh, a lot going on. The Bengals are playing tonight against the Washington team, the Washington football team. Um, and it is right now 7-0 uh, to Washington against the Bengals. Um, that is, of course, in Washington. The, it is in the second period, just 12 minutes gone. Um, a lot going on, Andrew Flint, uh, and a lot of COVID-affected teams as well. Andrew Flint, if you are there, no, no, Andrew. Andrew, are you there?
2: Can you hear me? Hear you loud and clear. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's been a difficult season for a lot of sports, hasn't it? And I think the lack of preseason games has affected a lot of teams. Um, I mean, when you when you look at the type of sport that that American football is. When you don't have the opportunity to run higher intensity practice, which you, you can't get during um, preseason training, because of course you don't put 100% into it. You need those preseason games. Um, I suppose Dak Prescott missing for the Dallas Cowboys is a big one. Um, they're struggling at the moment uh, with seven losses and only two wins. So. It is. It's going to affect everybody, but I think it is. It's a big problem for for defenders in particular, So they can't put that high intensity into the sort of defensive practice that they need. So, it's it's difficult for all teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, and uh, I think um, I don't know if Easton was qual- uh, following that. If there was a fumble which was recovered by Washington. It was literally uh, it was. <laughs> It was I think it was about a meter out uh, and um, Bengals lost a chance to uh, equalize uh, to put, get a, a, a touchdown um Eason, looking looking at the NFL because you're following i say with with the rest of us um you know it, it, it does seem to be that you know weather is really really affecting them now and a lot, you know as, as normal, but also that the 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 scores seem to be coming down a little bit.
4: I think we have to... Rem- I, I completely agree with what Andrew said about they haven't had that pre-season time. I think there's now a bigger scrutiny, perhaps less on their play and more on the their following COVID protocols because they've entered a new period of kind of re-intensifying their efforts. And I wonder to a certain extent, they're, like, they're limiting their contact with one another. I wonder, is there a sense that there's a lack of team unity and perhaps... We've just kind of, we're seeing teams that aren't prepared for the intensity of a season at this time of year.
1: That could, well, listen, look at that. Like some of the teams, um, apparently the Steelers are, you know, kind of living together week in, week out. And, and you look at their, their results, they're nine and all at the moment. You know, they are nine and all. Okay. They're playing the Jaguars at the moment. Uh, they, it's a three, three, uh, again, the second period. Um, but, you know, do you think that maybe we're seeing a completely new era of American football? Because there does seem to be a lot of COVID outbreaks and a lot of injuries. Um, do you think that maybe team owners will, who will now start to say, oh, well, hold on, we're losing our best players, maybe we should start to take a bit better care of them? Uh, Andrew, that's to you.
2: A question, because, I mean, the, the, the deal that the, the NFL offered the players at the beginning of the season, if I. If I remember, rightly, they, they offer players the chance to opt out of the season for some sort of compensation. But the pressure on these sort of athletes in such a short career, that they don't want to lose that opportunity to either put themselves in the, in the marketplace, so to speak, um, or to lose their place to other players who won't put their bodies on the line. Um, but then, of course, you've got, of course, the, these players are assets. They are trade for crazy amounts of money. I mean... We're talking of, what, $50 million contracts? Oh, sorry, $500 million contracts for Patrick Mahomes. That's the one that stands out for me. You know, if you're a loaner and you're committing that much money, you, you want them to be protected. But then again, if there aren't games put on, um, there's a pressure to put the product in front of paying customers. So who wins? I mean, it's it's virtually impossible.
1: And we started off, um, Esel, with this whole the, the situation that we discussed on Capital Sports 2.0 uh, about... Um, the Black Lives Lives Matter movement and taking a knee. Now, some players are still doing it, others are not. Some are not coming out into the field for National Anthem and we saw it in rugby yesterday as well. Some English players took a knee and others didn't. Um, Do you think that maybe, you know, there's a bit of sort of confusion over what's going on and what, what we need to fight for at the moment. In terms of, like, I'm saying we, as I'm talking for you know, the NFL players, that they, they kind of they should be maybe taking better care of themselves rather than say, OK, we'll fight for this cause.
4: I, I always think it's great to see athletes take a stand, but I think we also have to factor in at the moment in the US, there's so much going on. They have COVID on one front. They have confusion in terms of political leadership. They have Black Lives Matter. You're kind of wondering... Players then are expected to perform on the highest level and they're in an environment that to even the most calm and rational person must seem like it's so alien to them. And I think perhaps we want to see see athletes use their voices as advocates, but we also have to remember that there must be some level of division in teams where players are very vocal saying, I'm in favour of singing the national anthem, I want to take a knee. And then you have the opposite where you players who are going, I'm want the national anthem sung and I don't respect your option to take a knee and that that's a difficulty I think
1: um, Andrew same to you I mean do you think that, that that there is that kind of division we saw it you know even in cricket where some players taking a knee others not we saw you know English Premier League some taking some not and, and it seems that like if you don't if you say listen I just want to play the game and I'll do my 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 talking on the field and I'll do my good deeds quietly respectfully that maybe you still have a chance to be piled up on and, um, and bullied out of the game?
2: Well, I, I think that's, that's exactly it. And this is the main problem I have with a visual show like this. Um, of course, the movement is well-intentioned, but once you, make a, once you make a thing like shaking hands before a game or on a much bigger scale, like taking a knee before a game, you, you're almost on hiding to nothing. If you take it, if you take the knee every time, um, then you you have to be consistent. But then people say, "Well, why didn't you take it before?" If you don't, you are automatically picked out for political reasons, even if you are trying to avoid the the conflict. So it's almost like people, sports people in any sport, just simply can't win. Um, I mean, of course, the whole taking a knee symbolism comes from uh, from the NFL and players now you're almost under pressure to do so even if you may agree with the issue but you don't think that's the way to protest against it it's impossible you simply can't win
1: Isol, um, just before, wrapping up on this final time back to both the you same question uh, when we, we see these you know images going around the world and you know of, of players taking knee and protests and so on and so forth and then at the, at the, at the m- micro level, um, for example, I'll just give the example question to you. In GAA, uh, usually after a game, the coach of each team or the manager of each team will go into the dressing room and say a few words, say thank you very much and so on and so forth. Like winning or losing, they, they, they go in and do it. Um, do you think that something like that is it, like nicer to do? It's, it's a bit more organic?
4: I think so, because I think, it's yes, it's based on tradition, But equally, it's based on respect after a game when both teams have hopefully given their all. And I think you see it in boxing, you see it in so many combat sports afterwards when opponents will hug each other or they'll they'll go to each other's corners. And I think the act of a coach showing respect for the other team breeds a good culture.
1: Andrew, uh, finally for you, I mean, rugby teams, they do the line up. So the, the, mm-hmm. w- the losing team lines up first and applauds the other team coming through, and then they form a line uh, to applaud the, other, the winning team off the field. Um, maybe something like that is better to, to do to make a statement to say, this is our culture, we're together, we're, we're united, there's no colour, there's no religion, there's no race, we are one, we're all people.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense i think it's very hard to to say one or the other is better you cannot ignore the the situation where the treatment of of people of different races has been unequal that simply cannot be ignored but i think it's a deeper long-term education issue rather than taking a knee and then just carrying on as normal i think unity needs to be what we is seen on the pitch what is seen on tv and long-term, the only way, and we've said this so many times before, is education. I, there is no shortcut to it. So taking a knee won't solve anything in itself. It's a good intention, but really a better intention would be long-term education.
1: Okay, Andrew and Isil, thank you very much for that day. Of course, are we staying with us to come up in the uh, the fourth? We're going to get to the break right now with Luis Capaldi. And before you go, but none of you go anywhere, stay with us, coming right back with our top of the fourth.
0: Sports with Alan Moore I feel by the wayside like everyone else I hate you, I hate you, I hate you but I was just kidding myself Our every moment